This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Art Zone is your one-stop shop for all your art supplies and picture framing needs. Whether you're a professional artist or enthusiastic beginner, Art Zone has everything you need to create your masterpiece. That's Art Zone, 61 Hanover Street, proud sponsor of the Arty Fatia on Otago Access Radio. Everybody, and it's uh, Ron Esplin uh, introducing you to the Arty Farty Show. And uh, it's on, of course, we all know it's on Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM. And um, uh, I, uh, I think I said my name's Ron Esplin. I'm starting to have to remind myself who I am. Uh, Ron Esplin, yep, that's right. And uh, I've had a very busy week today, this week, but it's very arty and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, yesterday I did an art class out at um, the uh, South Dunedin uh, Community Centre and I had eight wonderful people all uh, champing at the bit in order to uh, do paintings. Uh, and oh gosh, did we have fun? Uh, this is quite a regular occurrence. Uh, and I must say it's very invigorating, not only for me, but hopefully for them as well. And uh, we're really um, espousing the wonderful, wonderful watercolour is the uh, name of the programme that, that uh, I do. And uh, I just want to really spread the word about how exciting watercolour is. Uh, it is um, really the epitome of fun. Uh, and uh, we and that's exactly what we did. We were there from oh, from uh, uh, ten o'clock to um, to four o'clock. So we'll say that's six hours. However, we did have a break in the middle. But uh, these people are so keen that they <laughs> they want to keep going. You know, so uh, instead of taking an hour for lunch, it's more like thirty five minutes, and uh, then they're back into it again. And uh, what was exciting about it, uh, among many other things, was uh, that these um, uh, people were um, really uh, hadn't hadn't done any watercolor before, so this was a c- completely new experience for them. And um, the uh, you can see the joy on their faces initially when they start. They're very very reticent and a bit frightened about how it's going to go, and uh, I suppose too. Uh, I'm taking my mind back to when I might have done those uh, classes way, way long, long time ago. Uh, I was a bit worried about how I might look against all the others, you see. Uh, But that um, was very soon dissipated. Uh, We um, we don't have an awful lot of materials, but it's actually a, a useful thing not to have a lot of materials uh, because it puts them on their metal. Uh, we, uh, I just, we distribute um, 
three uh, colours, just uh, yellow, red and blue. And uh, uh, it's a very, very uh, good way of uh, learning that uh, all the colours can be manufactured uh, from the three primary colours. And it's just a a question of mixing the colours to suit. So uh, that worked very well. That's a wonderful lesson in itself. And uh, then what happened, of course... um, uh, we uh, I, I start with a good size bit of paper, an A3 bit of paper, because basically, if you start with little bits of paper, you're uh, sort of inclined to be uh, minuscule in the way you uh, you put the paint on, and uh, we've provided everyone with a nice big brush. We even uh, we provide all the materials. Uh, so that uh, no one has to uh, fiddle about and bring their own things. Uh, And and usually they don't have their own things because it's a beginner's class. Uh, But the brushes are big enough for them to, uh, you know, get a wash and uh, make sure that uh, when they're putting the paint on, it's not dib-dab-dab-dob-dob-dob. That reminds me of the Scouts, wheel dib-dib-dib. And uh, that's something we've got to try and avoid. And anyway, the faces light up, you know, when... Uh, they actually do a painting. The first one uh, gets sort of a very a variety of results, um, and um, some uh, and seem to be kind of almost naturally uh, inclined to to painting. Uh, have a bit of um, creativity in them. Well, everyone's got creativity in them, actually, in their own way, and uh, some of the the results uh, were really fantastic. Uh, and so that first painting had to get that over and uh, then just say right okay we'll leave that now and uh, they can have another go at it when they take it home if they feel they need to Uh, and then um, we did another painting uh, which uh, was tremendously uh, successful Uh, in in the space between two paintings uh, the um, Improvement was palpable. It was just incredible how uh, that second painting, they, they suddenly they'd got their confidence, and uh, they were uh, uh, they'd made whatever mistakes they were going to on the first one, and they learned quickly that uh, they weren't going to make the same mistakes on the second painting, and uh, that really lifted the whole uh, uh, mood of the uh, of the gathering. And then uh, we, I think we had lunch. I can't remember we had lunch. Might have had lunch and then done the second one. And then we had a bit of time left. Thank goodness, about an hour. And um, uh, what I usually do is uh, I do a thing that's called fun folk. Now, um, if you uh, want to know what fun folk look like, you can actually see it on my website, which is esplanart.com. Just uh, dial up Ron Esplan and you'll you'll find the website. And uh, the uh, fun folk is uh, a situation uh, that many of you would have uh, already uh, found out is when you uh, stand in front of a piece of paper or canvas or whatever and you're saying, what am I going to do? It's probably a good thing to put yourself in that situation uh, uh, because um, uh, it requires that you actually drag something out of your um, innermost um, uh, mind about uh, what you might be able to paint and and, uh, the incentive comes from uh, dabbing uh, uh, or splashing you could say 
uh, a big brush full of uh, several of the primary colours. Orange, maybe. It's not a primary colour, but uh, orange is always a good one. And then yellow and then red and then a bit of blue, you see. And you just splash those daubs onto your uh, paper. And then you allow your imagination to run right. And what I usually do, is it's a double whammy. It gives you a chance to exercise your imagination and it also gets you painting figures. So the splash that you've put on the canvas, maybe four or five of them, doesn't matter how many, and then you just usually put legs on them. That starts the creative process. Uh, and um, don't uh, bother about putting shoes or anything on them. You just a couple of uh, legs coming down off those blobs, and suddenly you've got some people, uh, probably uh, with a bit of movement. If you just put uh, legs down, they tend to um, look a bit static, so try to put a bit of movement into it. And uh, then uh, you start to see the figures that uh, you're, you're creating, and then you can do something, uh, usually have to add arms or a little elbow sticking out uh, using the same colour as the blob that you painted first. Um, and the last thing you do actually is put the heads on. And uh, this stops uh, what uh, is often a big problem with figures. People make the heads too big. Now, you can't get away with a head that's too big, but you can get away with a head that's quite small. And uh, so you can uh, minimise the head, uh, and then you put a bit of hair on, you might put a hat on, that's quite good fun. And you'll start to see uh, that there's an interaction between the people that you've created. Uh, Maybe they're looking at one another, you can make them point a hand. I often put a little dog uh, down as if they've... um, um, a company say watching a football match or something like that uh, you might have someone that looks a bit bent over by the time you started to make those figures and you can uh, perhaps have a walking stick and uh, you can certainly give handbags to the ladies you can uh, uh, ha- uh, separate uh, the genders by having uh, uh, taking skirts down a little bit and then putting the legs in and it is just so much, so absorbing and so much fun and a great way to get yourself painting uh, when you didn't have an idea of what you were going to do. <laughs> uh, so that's um, something you can all have a go at. And, when, and then when you've finished that, you see, they're, they're sort of suspended in uh, the white paper. And uh, then you've got to kind of ground them. Uh, don't bother about grounding them any other way uh, then uh, by adding shadows and usually I, f- I find it's best to backlight um, the uh, the figures so that the shadows come towards you or uh, from right to left uh, and uh, then uh, it really grounds them and uh, then the last thing is to think of a title uh, like something like oh my goodness he shouldn't have missed that one or, or something like that and uh, then you've uh, got yourself a little scene, and it's surprising. Actually, this, they have a lot of appeal. If you're inclined to sell your work, they do have a lot of appeal, and they sell quite well. So there you are. There's a double whammy or a multiple whammy. Uh, fun focus, what I call them. And it, it is just exactly that. It's a lot of fun. Now, I think uh, uh, I'm going to talk about the Otago Art Society today. Um, and specifically about the um, 
the history, which is uh, of considerable interest. Uh, and um, it's a very vibrant society. It's the oldest uh, art society in the country. And uh, then I thought, uh, I usually talk about the uh, Dunedin Public Art Gallery, and uh, we all know that there's been a Hotary exhibition in there, uh, which has been highly successful, uh, and uh, it always is. Uh, they've done it before, and it, uh, it really, well, quite a long time ago, so it uh, had been overdue probably to to air it again after Hotary's no longer with us. Uh, uh, but I have um, um, a, a lot of interest, uh, and many of you would have, in Te Papa's wonderful surrealist art exhibition at the moment. So I thought uh, we would uh, have a little look at that. And um, uh, another thing that I thought we would look at uh, is um, composition, uh, because uh, that's a very important aspect and uh, a critical one uh, of anyone who's creating art. And that, of course, goes across all the uh, media uh, the composition is very important. Uh, whatever you're painting with, whatever if you're painting in oils or, or acrylics or watercolors or just doing a drawing, it's uh, pretty important. And uh, also, um, Bill Hammond. Uh, Bill Hammond, of course, uh, uh, he left us uh, recently in well in uh, 1947, and um, he uh, was I think he's about 73 or 74. Uh, and he died in July, and uh, he was a highly regarded uh, uh, artist. I had some of his paintings at one stage, and um, uh, he has some interesting icons that he uh, used in his paintings, uh, and I particularly related to the ones that were uh, Egyptian in, um, in their nature, and we'll have a bit of a look at that uh, if, if we get time, of course. Uh, but uh, first, uh, we'll just have a little bit of music. Um, uh, all the music that I've got today uh, is actually by uh, uh, singers and um, um, musicians uh, that are also artists. How about that? And um, I've got uh, the first one that I've got here is Damien, Damon Goff. And uh, you can be forgiven for no, uh, for thinking, Damon Goff? Who's Damon Goff? Well, uh, he's better known as Badly Drawn Boy. Rather, I rather like uh, the um, connection to art, Badly Drawn Boy. And uh, the uh, song that he's going to be singing is What Tomorrow Brings. I'm tired of thinking about this morning May as well just dream of what tomorrow brings If this is your last photograph Just smile, stand tall You could have it all You color your soul to make it whole Use this day, what of it remains? If it's your reality, if this is your reality, let it be. And ten feet tall, 
but feeling small Erase those plans Take a hold with your hands This photograph could be your last A final prize A moment in time If it's your reality If this is something you can see I'm tired of thinking about this morning May as well just dream of what tomorrow brings Ascend your soul, reach your goal Blue-eyed boy, hope against hope You've taken that fall, unwrapped it all It's this reality If this is all, just let it be I'm tired of thinking about this morning May as well just dream of what tomorrow brings I'm tired of thinking about this morning May as well just dream of what tomorrow brings when you think that you could never find it Just then you realize your future is all in your hands One day we'll look at this and laugh about it Till then just realize the future is all in our hands Tired of dreaming of what tomorrow brings May as well just think about this morning Damon Goff, badly drawn boy What a great uh, name for an artist, I love it And uh, actually uh, there is on YouTube a very interesting sort of a um, What do you call it? Um, a... Um, <clears throat> Uh, a, uh, a clip, that's what they call it these days. And uh, Damon Goff is actually uh, um, busking in uh, a, 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 a station in London, I think, somewhere. And, uh, of course, nobody knows who he is. Uh, uh, but by that time, he was actually quite well established as an artist, uh, a singer, that is, of course. And uh, someone, it didn't take too long for someone to recognise him and then, of course, uh, the word spread very, very quickly, and uh, no, it wasn't too long before the crowd uh, gathered that here was someone that you wouldn't normally expect to see busking in the railway station. So that was uh, very interesting to see that happening. Now, I did mention that I was going to talk about the um, Otago Art Society. Fascinating, really, the oldest art society in the country, and um, it was actually formed in 1876 by a small group of gentlemen. Now, uh, I'm actually uh, working on heritage tours uh, at uh, the Spates Brewery these days, which is a lot of fun, um, taking people around to show them the brewing process. And um, 1876 was the same year that uh, uh, the brewery was was, um, was um, founded. 
and that just gives you an idea that gives you some context uh, in fact in 1848 that's when the first settlers arrived in uh, uh, Dunedin on the 27th of March 1848 and um, here we are how many years two to make 50 22 28 years later they're forming uh, an art society. Isn't that incredible? And they actually called themselves, uh, well, to promote the interest in the study of and practice in the fine and applied arts in Otago. And it was a small group of gentlemen, uh, which, you know, it, it was the way it used to be in those days, favourable to the formation of a society of arts in Dunedin. And the small beginning flourished to such an extent that by 1897, there were 140 artists and 50 honorary members. Isn't that incredible uh, to see that in a new colony virtually? Uh, the, um, uh, the list of um, presidents actually um, are very interesting. You've got William Hodgkins, who was uh, one of the most well-known, well, you know the, the, um, uh, that artist's name because he was the man that actually uh, started the Art Society. It was his initiative. Uh, you've got uh, Dr. Lindo Ferguson, very well-known uh, doctor, and uh, that was in 1919, and his name comes up again as the president in 1924. And uh, by now, he's Sir Lindo Ferguson, uh, Sir Percy Sargood, that, these names are well known in Dunedin, Sir Thomas Sidey, George Chance, a wonderful photographer, uh, John McIndoe, a printer, uh, very famous, uh, uh, Hannon, a, a lawyer, Dr. Clark Hannon, uh, let's go. We're going through names. Oliver Cox in 1954. Uh, and, oh, look at this, 1958, Tom Esplin, my father. Well, well, that's exciting. And he was uh, president uh, on, uh, uh, on another occasion, 1963-64. Shona McFarlane, H.V. Miller, Fred O'Neill, Roy Dickerson. These are very well-known artists uh, John Toomer in 1992, Gillian Pope, uh, and Heather Maxwell, Dave, David Corbalis, and Jenny Longstaff, and in 2016, uh, Nick Dempster. Uh, but the uh, those illustrious presidents uh, that we've mentioned uh, way back then, uh, including um, Sir, Sir Lindo Ferguson and Sir Thomas Sidey, uh, they boasted quite, it was quite a who's who of Dunedin with many bastions of the early Dunedin commerce uh, lending their support. Uh, in the early years, Hodgkin's father, the world famous painter Francis Hodgkin's, encouraged the purchase of works for an art collection that was temporarily housed in the municipal building. And um, two exceptional acquisitions were Petrus van der Velden's majestic mountain stream in Otero Gorge, and that can be seen in the Otago. Uh, uh, art Gallery and uh, Francis Hodgkin's uh, Aisha. Uh, we in 1922 uh, the uh, Art Society amalgamated with the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society, which uh, explains why this uh, that enormous painting by um, uh, Petrus van der Velden is uh, it, it takes pride of place in the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. Uh, so that's what happened uh, in 1922. 
and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, a little later, the uh, relationship proved unsatisfactory. And in 1930, we had divorce proceedings. <laughs> uh, um, so, so it began a new era of the society in which uh, they would have to control the activities of the arts society themselves. Uh, and I, ha- I hasten to add that today the relations between the two bodies are very friendly. Now, uh, it, it hired premises initially for exhibitions in such places as the museum foyer and the municipal chambers and the public art gallery and uh, the concert chamber and the Pioneer and Garrison Halls. This is because they didn't have any rooms and uh, we even used parts of the Otago Settlers Museum. And um, uh, even, uh, here we go, the billiard saloon above the former tip-top milk bar in the octagon. How's, how's that? Uh, we call that a peripatetic uh, existence. Uh, but anyway, in 1968, the president, who was Shona McFarlane, suggested that the old Dunedin North office, uh, Post Office, which was actually destined to be demolished, would provide an admirable admirable permanent headquarters and she led the campaign to preserve the post office which finally became reality after much hard work and extensive fundraising by the council and the society members of the day and they finally established their own home in 1972 and uh, this building uh, was beautifully renovated and now the museum actually use it because of course uh, after 33 years at the post office uh, the Otago Arts Society moved to the prestigious uh, Dunedin Railway Station building in Anzac Avenue upstairs and uh, we relocated in February 2007. My goodness me I hadn't realized we'd been in there so long so that's nearly 20 years. And uh, now also a very, very uh, good uh, initiative, uh, probably um, in the hands of uh, one of the presidents uh, who was, uh, oh, what was his name now? Uh, Jeff Adams. Uh, He uh, established even more the permanent collection and since 1930 the OAS has purchased and been donated a large collection of paintings from members and a changing selection of works from that collection is displayed uh, in a permanent collection in the Shona McFarlane Gallery, which is a central hall at the art station. So you can become a member if you would like to. Uh, just uh, ring the Otago Art Society or drop in. That's always a good thing to do. Uh, go in, uh, make yourself known, and uh, join the society. You don't have to be an artist. Uh, you can... Uh, you can do it uh, even if you're not an artist, uh, just have an interest in the arts. All right, I think we'll have a bit more music. And um, what are we going to do? I think um, here's uh, The Clash. Oh, my goodness, aren't we getting uh, exciting and into the newer music? Uh, some of you uh, younger people will think, what? What are you talking about? Uh, Jane, Janie Jones from The Clash and Paul Simonon, actually, yeah, he he is the uh, the one who is actually an artist, and uh, let's have a listen uh, to uh, the Clash uh, just for a little bit of a break, and then we'll look at uh, Te Papa. Gotta have fun with you. The lucky 
job is done You'll be over and it's time for featuring Paul Simonon uh, from The Clash and uh, he's an artist all the, um, uh, I think nearly all the people that we've got uh, uh, providing music on today's show of the uh, the Arty Farty uh, Hour uh, or Arty Farty Show I should say because it's 56 minutes these days and um, they're all uh, artists in their own right and also uh, produce music and uh, you're listening to um, Tago Access Radio, the Arty Farty Show on 105.4 FM. And uh, in case you're listening on AM, 1575 AM. And uh, you can also uh, um, hear all these programs uh, on podcasts if you just go into the Tago Access Radio uh, site. Uh, we l- actually lead the country in terms of... Um, podcasts uh, viewed uh, in uh, the community radio stations so um, uh, we're very uh, efficient in making sure that uh, these programs are all available to you uh, as uh, uh, podcasts. Right, so I was going to tell you about the the Dali exhibition, they call it the Dali exhibition but in fact they're iconic European masterpieces that are on display at Te Papa's Surrealist Art Exhibition and this is exceptionally exciting it's going to run uh, until the 31st of October 2021 and the uh, uh, it's a surrealist art, in fact masterpieces from the Museum Boymans van Boeningen uh, which is uh, the um, Netherlands um, uh, Rotterdam Netherlands uh, Museum uh, and uh, the what, there are 180 compelling masterpieces from that museum uh, currently the museum is closed and it's been a wonderful opportunity for us to get all these paintings um, on show in Te Papa at the moment uh, these uh, now they include major works by uh, artists such as Salvador Dali, and they've mentioned about it as being a Dali exhibition, but uh, you've got Marcel Duchamp, Man Ray, Max Ernst, René Magritte, 
and Leonora Orrington. Now, if you if you don't take an opportunity to see that if you're in Wellington, uh, or if you get the chance to go there, you must go and see that because that is something else. They've got um, uh, a series of galleries, uh, and you all learn about while you're going going through the galleries about uh, the different movements that were that these people were part of. Dada, for instance, the movement that preceded surrealism. Uh, they'll ex- we'll explore how dreams, chance and desire inspired the art of these surrealists. Uh, iconic works on display include Salvador Dali's Mae West Lips Sofa, uh, which uh, uh, it's just a sofa that looks like Mae West's lips. How, how Dali-esque is that? Uh, and uh, this playfully subversive couch is just shaped as a lush pair of red lips. Uh, also, there's uh, René Magritte's The Glass House, which is painted in 1939, an uncanny masterpiece in which a man's face looks out from the back of his head. And uh, Dali's Venus de Milo withdraws. <laughs> How's that? Uh, 1936, um, a sculpture that cheekily suggests opening a drawer to access Venus's secret dreams and desires. Only someone like Dali would uh, think of a, of a subject like that. Um, it actually does, the exhibition itself just showcases the incredible wealth and diversity of surrealism. It includes not only masterpiece paintings and sculpture, but also cutting-edge film, photography, design, and uh, and more. Um, the uh, the chief executive at Te Papa, who's uh, Mr Johnson, is delighted that New Zealanders will get this rare opportunity to see some of the world's most important surrealist works. Um, Mrs Johnson says, um, Surrealist art has recreated many of the most defining images of the last 100 years, and the exhibition highlights the creative, influential and revolutionary nature of these artists and their work. Mr. Johnson says. At the heart of the exhibition, of course, are those Dali important paintings. And uh, what a chance for us to get to see them in New Zealand, uh, especially when we're unable to travel uh, uh, because of the uh, intervention of COVID-19. They've gone to some troubled by to create some large-scale digital interpretation of Dali's uh, 1938 work Impressions of Africa, which will sit inside inside the exhibition. Uh, Impressions of Africa depicts the artist at his easel in a desert-like landscape, and around him many other images meld and merge into each other. A market scene appears within an image of a donkey, a cliff transforms into a bird, figures and faces emerge from within rocky caves, Te Papa's high-definition video immerses visitors in the multiple scenes that appear in this magical work. So, you know, we've, they've um, really made a creation uh, of their own um, invention in order to highlight uh, the work of these amazing um, artists, surrealist artists. A surrealist artist tried to create a new kind of reality which was centred around dreams, the unconscious and the irrational. Uh, They used playful, subversive techniques and materials to shock and surprise their audience uh, as as, uh, uh, Charlotte Davey, uh, Te Papa's head of art, uh, has said. She also says, uh, visitors will be struck by the power of surrealist, surrealist ideas, which are still incredibly relevant today, both politically and as an influence on contemporary artists. Uh, there's a small exhibition curated to sit in conversation with surrealist art. Hey Toy P- 
Pohewa, titled, uh, titled Surrealist Impulse, uses uh, artworks drawn from the Te Papa art collection to uh, enhance the uh, the general to give to, to give a bit of a localized um, theme and uh, and also the Maori relationship with surrealism many of uh, us uh, probably don't realize uh, so we've got Shane Cotton and Michael Pori uh, who uh, demonstrate the influence of surrealism on their work uh, rather than being just a literal reimagining, the work from both the artists instead reveal an ethos related to the surrealist movement. So that's um, a wonderful show, uh, and I understand too that it will go, um, uh, that it did actually, some of it, uh, some of it toured to the Auckland City Art Gallery in 1972. Uh, so uh, some of you in Auckland might be familiar with it. Um, the uh, the, uh, as I mentioned to the um, the museum Boymans van Boeningen in Rotterdam is currently closed while undergoing large-scale renovation work. And the director, Schmarel uh, X, says he is delighted to be able to present art, form, art from their extensive collection in overseas institutions as part of uh, their program, which is Boyman's Abroad. Uh, Boyman's Abroad. I'm saying everything with a Dutch accent. We're proud to exhibit these uh, surrealists as masterpiece at Te Papa and present the surrealists to the people of the New Zealand over the past 10 years. Highlights have been purchased from the oeuvres of Unika Zum, Leonora Carrington and Eileen Agar and added to our extensive surrealist collection. We are very pleased that these acquisitions are now being shown to an international audience for the first time. We're very curious how the visitors of Te uh, Papa will react when standing face to face with these iconic surrealist works of art. Well, uh, are you going to uh, take the opportunity? Absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm certainly going to make the uh, the journey to to um, Wellington uh, to. Uh, uh, to get to see this a remarkable exhibition, uh, and uh, I'm, I hope you do too. Uh, and uh, so, um, as I promised, uh, that's um, what's happening at the um, at Te Papa. Pretty exciting. And uh, let's um, hear another bit of music. Uh, and I think what we're going to do here is um, we're going. Uh, this relates to. Uh, the next uh, person on our uh, uh, that I mentioned to you, we'll be talking about, and uh, that is, um, I just got to do this here. Ah, here we go. Um, this is uh, relates to the next artist, which is Bill Hammond, and uh, well, let's see if you can uh, work out what the connection is. Step. 
Wait only for my boot heels to be wandering I'm ready to go anywhere I'm ready for to fade On to my own parade Cast your dancing spell my way to go under it Hey Mr. Tambourine Man Play a song for me I'm not sleepy and There ain't no place I'm going to Hey Mr. Tambourine Man Play a song for me In the jingle Well, that is a version of Tambourine Man, uh, which uh, was by Bob Dylan. And um, Bill Hammond was taken with um, uh, Bob Dylan's uh, uh, um, writing that song, and he actually, um, uh, one of his famous works is actually called Jingle Jangle Morning, and uh, it was uh, that is taken from a, a verse of Bob Dylan's song, Mr. Tambourine Man, and is the title of this opulent uh, Bill Hammond painting depicting majestic avian musicians and serpentine creatures who sing, dance, and play instruments upon a floating world of gold and acrylic. Uh, and it's quite a gigantic work. Uh, and um, the uh, uh, Bill Hammond, uh, the, the reason that I'm um, interested in, uh, well, I was always interested in Bill Hammond, uh, uh, because he is one of New Zealand's, or was one of New Zealand's most influential contemporary artists. He was born in Christchurch in 1947 and attended the University of Canterbury School of Fine Arts. And during the 1970s, he worked in a sign factory, making jewellery and designing manufactured wooden toys before returning to full-time painting in 1981. Now, birds first began to populate Hammond's paintings after he visited the Auckland Islands in 1989 as part of the art of the uh, remote uh, windswept islands or art in the sub-Antarctic project. He took a three-week uh, trip to these uh, islands and the severity of the climate ha uh, has allowed little human impact on the natural environment and uh, was something of a revelation to him. In an interview with uh, Greg O'Brien for Lands and Deeds, uh, Hammond spoke of the islands as a kind of lost world ruled over by beak and claw. The Auckland Islands are like New Zealand before people got here. It's birdland, he said. Uh, Bill Hammond's compositions encompass landscape. The spectacular, well, these spectacular paintings of his uh, include early music uh, inspired, well, the music inspired the paintings as well as Hammond's uh, Walter Buller series painted after his visit to the sub-Antarctic through to the startling zoomorphic paintings, ancestral studies and recent works that take the extinct giant New Zealand eagle as its theme. 
Hammond's luscious palette of inky blues, his signature use of emerald green and gold, and his endlessly inventive combination of anthropomorphic birds, horses, and hybrid creatures uh, always offer the viewer a unique insight into the masterpieces of this singular artist. Uh, the um, uh, work, the, the, you look at them and they often have, uh, I think the Fall of Icarus was one of his fine uh, paintings, uh, where these iconic bird-like figures are so much uh, like the uh, Egyptian icons. Uh, another one uh, was... Um, uh, the um, well, Icarus kept <laughs> uh, kept popping up in his paintings, uh, but there are a number of uh, his paintings also that were um, uh, around jazz. He, he obviously uh, had a taste for music, uh, and um, the the images uh, really are extraordinary. And uh, birds play a very large part uh, in his uh, in his work. Um, the um, uh, there's one here called Heading for the Last Roundup, uh, which uh, they're, they're pretty large works most of the time, and sort of freakish characters. Um, one of the, um, uh, I think one of them's called Radio On, and that's a lyric taken from one of the most iconic, upbeat rocking anthems of the 1970s by Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. Uh, the chorus was simply radio on, as in one that all can sing along to, and indeed in the painting, the freakish characters doing a duet with their volcano mouths and noses are in full voice and uh, raising the roof. So how about that one? Uh, his imagination was uh, just uh, uh, astonishing. Uh, now, I think um, uh, the, the the difficulty about... Um, uh, well, the problem is he's, 19, he's born in uh, 1947, and then he, he died quite, uh, quite, a, quite a young age, uh, and uh, that was in uh, July of uh, of this year. Uh, so it's a great loss uh, to the art world uh, to find uh, that Hammond um, uh, has uh, probably been taken away from us pretty early. Um, he, he was always his own man, uh, writer and columnist uh, Joe Bennett said. Uh, I greatly admired him. He was unaffected by success and had no balls. I have to uh, say I'm shorting the word because you're not allowed to say those things over radio. But if we say balls and then dash, 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 I think you can follow it. Uh, so uh, as um, uh, Joe Bennett said, uh, he had no balls, dot, 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 to him. He was honest, modest, and a lonely man to talk to. Sorry, a lovely man to talk to. I liked him very much. Uh, Bennett said Hammond had struggled in his early days and paid his bar bills with canvases. How common a story is that? And Littleton's volcano bar uh, became plastered with valuable Hammond paintings because that was, that was what he was paying, his pay, uh, paying for his um, bar bill. Uh, Hammond's place in the art world was recalled by Christchurch Art Gallery curator Peter Vangioni, who curated his last exhibition at the gallery in 2019. As um, uh, Peter said, he was one of New Zealand's major painters and he's got a special place in the heart of Cantabrians as well. He was part of the Littleton community. Vangioni had been working closely with Hammond on a book of his art being published by the gallery in the middle of this year. He was a great guy once you got to know him. He had a wry sense of humour, and we had a lot of laughs, Fangioni said. Hammond was quite guarded and did not like talking about his own paintings. Uh, 
One of the last times I saw him, he said, I've done all the hard work. Now it's up to you to write about them. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Uh, that was um, uh, a nice insight into, into his view of his own uh, work. Um, apparently that gallery uh, recently acquired another Hammond artwork, adding to the dozen pieces and ten prints that it already owns. And the artwork Boneyard, Open Home, was painted in 2009 and was the biggest single piece of canvas Hammond painted. There are a lot of younger artists that looked up to Bill, Vangioni said. He's been a role model for them. People who did not know about his art still look at a Hammond painting and get a lot from it. His paintings had such a wide appeal. He really truly loved painting, and he could paint too. After attending Burnside High School and the School of Fine Arts at the University of Canterbury from 1966 to 1969, he worked in a sign factory, made jewellery, and designed and manufactured wooden toys before returning full-time to painting in 1981. Despite becoming famous in the art world, he remained rather private and elusive. Fellow painter Tony De La Tour, who was awarded New Zealand Arts Laureate in 2012, said like many Kiwi artists, he was influenced by Hammond. He first met him during a school trip to Christchurch, uh, Christchurch's Brook Gifford Gallery, where Hammond's work was being exhibited. But it was after De La Tour left art school that the pair became friends. Uh, a lot of early work that he did was uncompromising. He never really worried about criticism. He just forgot, just forged his own path, really. Deputy Mayor and long-term Littleton resident Andrew Turner said he'd known Hammond as a member of the town's community for many years. He resided and had his own studio for many years in the old Kilwinning Lodge building, if you know Littleton, one of Littleton's town centre's more prominent heritage buildings. After damage to that building in the earthquakes, Bill continued to live elsewhere in Littleton. He just liked that surroundings. And uh, he, uh, because he was one of the most prominent artists, uh, Bill will be much missed, most, both for his contribution to art and as a member of the Littleton community. Ruth Dyson, uh, former Littleton MP, said Hammond was a Littleton legend and very generous in his support of the community. Uh, he began painting er, uh, full-time in the early 1980s, but it was a decade, decade later that he would produce his now iconic avian-headed figures. His work during the 1990s included Buller's Tablecloth, 1994, Placemakers 1, 1996, and Hokey Pokey, 1998. Uh, his uh, titles were always rather strange, but, uh, you know, uh, you had to make the connection to uh, uh, the work. In January 2009, his painting Fortified Gang Headquarters in 1996 sold at auction to a private South Island collector for, wait for it, $290,000, a record for a Kiwi artist that stands to this day. Uh, Department of uh, Conservation, uh, of uh, Department of Conservation Director General Lou Sanson said New Zealand had lost a great advocate for native world wildlife. We join the rest of the country in in uh, in losing and having in the loss of of Bill. Um, he recalls that uh, Bill's initial inspiration for his famous bird people work came on a joint trip, uh, as we said, to the Royal New Zealand with the Royal New Zealand Navy to the sub-Antarctic islands. Inspired by the birds and rata trees on Auckland Islands, he went on to create his iconic series so well loved by many. Isn't that serendipity that he got the opportunity to go there and that's where all that work came from? We will have this, heart, this art forever 
and he leaves us with an incredible legacy, Stanson said. Hammond's work reflected many of the environmental and social themes he was concerned about, including the threat humankind posed to itself. I think it's fantastic that um, uh, an artist could have that kind of um, uh, effect on uh, the New Zealand uh, art scene and uh, that, of course, he now has a legacy uh, that uh, he leaves behind. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, n- when we are able to see that work, uh, quite a body of work, uh, we um, are able to uh, continue to enjoy that legacy by, by seeing all the work that he did. Uh, um, fantastic stuff. So um, I think um, he was obviously a, a, a private sort of a person, uh, but um, uh, clearly he's expressed himself uh, exceptionally well in his in his art. So um, you could say he was uh, somebody to somebody to love uh, because of the wonderful art that he was making. And to that end, uh, I would like to. Uh, um, uh, play a a song that relates I'm afraid the composition uh, um, uh, talk about composition will come in another uh, another one of our broadcasts the Arty Farty show and uh, Somebody to Love is being uh, sung by uh, Grace Slick uh, from Jefferson Airplane and I'm saying goodbye uh, from the Arty Farty show today I do hope you all enjoyed uh, uh, the content today Uh, quite eclectic and uh, I hope it was interesting for you. So, Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane, someone to love, and we'll say that's a tribute to uh, the wonderful Bill Hammond. When the truth is found to be
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.